Yes, and welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We're disciples of Jesus that build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. Pastor Aaron, and I'm so glad to see you here again with me this morning. That's fantastic. And for all you joining us online, uh, we do have today, we're going to be talking about uh, our wisdom series, Wisdom in the Secret Heart, as we've been studying about wisdom and how it applies to our life. And last week, we uh, got a great opportunity for us, uh, Caleb, tell us uh, the traits of the wise. And, uh, you know, in this world, you're either wise or you're otherwise. And so last we talked about the wise, and today we're going to talk about the otherwise. In Scripture, kind of some things that we want to make sure we avoid. And so before we do that, of course, let's remind ourselves of our memory verse, which is Proverbs 1-7. Hopefully by now it's starting to become a little more uh, familiar to you, but if you're, it's your first time with us to memorizing this, then don't worry about it. It's pretty easy. So here you go. Say it along with me. Three, two, one. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1, 7. All right, again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1, 7. All right, one more time. Here you go. The fear of of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1 7. Very good. And a couple weeks ago, we did study that particular passage. And so if you missed that, go back and listen to that, uh, that particular sermon because that passage is pretty key to the entire book of Proverbs. In fact, it really unlocks wisdom itself. And I hope that you remember it because we'll be talking about it a little bit today. And so we talk about today why. Wise or unwise, uh, the wise or the otherwise. You know, wisdom in Scripture calls out to us, right? She's out there calling, and she's calling out so that we, we, we can become wise, right? Uh, to say that we can have a better life, that we can live. At the same time we find in Scripture, there's this other voice calling out, and it's the voice of folly. And folly's calling out saying, hey, I want you just to have, uh, just, I want you just to be happy in the moment, but I want you to think about the future, and folly always leads to destruction. And so uh, in Proverbs, we find that when wisdom calls and we heed her voice, we do. We grow in that wisdom and instruction. So when we hear, heed the voice of folly, we become one of four other kinds of people. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And the first type of person that we find in the book of Proverbs is the simple. And so the simple are, uh, they're basically, they're naive. They're uncomplicated. Right? The simple person uh, in Scripture is, is not wise. They believe that, you know, uh, the world's just going to operate the way I think it's going to operate. They're the type of person that's quick to make compromises because they don't understand the, the complexities of God. They don't trust Scripture itself. They just trust their own heart, their own feelings. They believe that everybody's going to kind of do what's right and all that kind of thing. And so we read in this Scripture in Proverbs 14, 15 kind of explains that they say the simple believe anything. But the prudent give thought to their steps. They believe anything because they, they don't really have convictions about anything. And so the simple are, are kind of their beliefs and their, um, their thoughts kind of move. They shift from day to day. They often, the simple, confuse tolerance. Uh, they say whatever's tolerant really is ignorance. They, uh, they lack discernment. And uh, you can uh, know that when you begin to comp or to... Uh, Stop listening to what God has to say. 
right? You, you start to say, well, I'm just going to be tolerant. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to know what God has to say. I'm not going to stick with his things. What happens is, is that we end up getting hurt by that because what you don't know actually does hurt you. Proverbs 22 speaks to that. It says, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. A simple-mindedness is not as innocent as it often can appear, right? Um, continuing to live a life by being uncomplicated, not understanding the nuances of life without, you know, maybe as innocent as a dove, but not certainly as wise as a serpent. People like that oftentimes get into a lot of trouble. In fact, Proverbs 1 uh, verse uh, 32 says, For the waywardness of the simple will kill them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. There is a high cost to simplistic thinking, which is why God gave us the book of Proverbs, so that we don't have to stay that way. But those who continue to, to persist in their simplicity, uh, they find that the world's a pretty dangerous place. And, uh, and so that's why it's important for us to heed Jesus' words to not just be as innocent as does, but as wise as serpents. Proverbs uh, offers more hope to the simple than any of the other unwises, right? Of the other wises is scripture. Proverbs 9, 6 actually calls out. In fact, there's three major places in Proverbs that speaks to, to the simple. And it says to them, hey, you can leave your simple ways and you're going to live. You can walk in the way of insight. But God's not mad at the simple. It's not a sin to be simple, right? It's, he just doesn't want people to persist in their simplicity. It's the problem with the simple is not an issue of the heart. It's an issue of the head. It's just not understanding that the world is complex. There's deeper things. It's, you know, that we need to have a higher level of understanding. The other three otherwises, that's not so much the case. In fact, as we go through the rest of these, they kind of become more intense in, uh, in how dangerous they become. And the, so the next one past the simpleton is we go to the mocker. And the mocker is like a simple person, except for they're not just naive, they're arrogantly naive. Mockers are know-it-alls. Proverbs 21 says this about them. It says, the mocker and arrogant person, or the proud and arrogant person, mocker is his name, behaves with insolent fury. So the arrogance of the mocker makes them unteachable. Right? When you can't be taught, it's hard to be a disciple, isn't it? It's hard to grow. Right? Proverbs 14 says this about that. And as the mocker seeks wisdom and finds none, but knowledge comes easily to the discerning. It's not as though wisdom isn't out there. The mocker just doesn't think they need to be taught. Right? And so we have to remember our memory verse. Where is the beginning of knowledge? The fear of the Lord. That's where it begins. That requires humility. And that's one of the issues, the, the, hearts, the heart problem that the mocker lacks is humility. Mockers can't be taught because they don't think they need to. So Proverbs 15 says this about the mocker. It says, mockers resent correction, so they avoid the wise. And so you can obviously tell off a time a mocker is they're going to avoid anybody who's going to help them and, and teach them something good. In fact, oftentimes if you go to a mocker and you tell them that they're doing something and out of the right kind of heart, right kind of spirit, you're not being judgmental. You say, hey, here's something that could help you. And then they get mad at you or they avoid you. Or when they know they're doing stuff and their life's falling apart, instead of seeking help, they retreat back. And so this is a, a difficult place to be. You can usually then uh, find a mocker by the turmoil that they create in their life. 
right? So they have this, this trail of uh, destruction behind them. In fact, Proverbs 22 says, drive out a mocker and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. It's amazing how a mocker going in with that know-it-allness, whatever, right, causes people to get upset, you know, just kind of makes a mess of everything. And so scripture says it's amazing when a mocker goes away how peace returns. See, mockers think themselves wise, and to their great astonishment, they're shocked when not everybody else agrees, right? In fact, Proverbs 24 says this about the mocker. It says, the schemes of folly are sin, but, and people detest a mocker. Do you like a know-it-all? Nobody likes a know-it-all because none of us know it all. And those of us who are at least wise enough to admit that we don't know it all have at least the ability to be taught. Now, the mocker is a little bit worse than the simpleton, right? It's just that. Now, if we want to take the mocker and just add a little bit more pride to that, we end up with the fool. The classic fool in Scripture we find here in, in Proverbs, you come across them many, many times. The, the word for fool, of course, we talked about this a few weeks ago in Latin, is, uh, is uh, fallus, right? And we get the word folly and things like that. And really, it means bellows or puffed up cheeks. Right? So the idea when we say that somebody is fool or foolish is we're saying basically they're all puffed up. They're full of hot air. They don't have any substance. Right? So fools, uh, being a fool indicates that you really are just a windbag. Right? You have a lot of stuff just to go out and you're trying to tell everybody else how to live their life while your own life is falling apart. A few traits of the fool in Proverbs. Proverbs 15 says this. That the tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. One of the traits of a fool is that they can't control their speech. They're proud know-it-alls. Not just that they're know-it-alls, but they're proud of the fact that they're know-it-alls. Right? They speak when they shouldn't. They don't have a filter. In arguments and conversations, they just tend to put their foot in their mouth constantly, and they don't even know that they like the taste of foot fungus. They really don't get it. The words that they speak then often cause drama and harm. And so then we find that the next trait of that is that when they have drama and stuff like this, that the fool also then usually has a temper. They don't handle drama well. Proverbs 12 says, fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlooks an insult. And it's like right away, a foolish person is going to look to be offended. In fact, if somebody who's offended all the time typically is a fool. It's someone who says, the world's all about me, right? They're a know-it-all. I know how the world should work. If you disagree with me, then you're clearly just a bad person, right? And they, they get the over-the-top reaction. And all of this, because they can't control their anger and all of this, we find that fools oftentimes have this level of, of uh, a brokenness on the inside, something called arrogance. Proverbs uh, 28 speaks to that directly. It says, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Uh, the, the, the fool really genuinely believes that they know best. And they're going to trust themselves. Not going to trust God. Not going to trust other people who actually, you know, it, what they're doing is working. No, I know best. The world's all about me. And if, this, if the world isn't going the way that I think that it should, it's because something else in the world is making my life bad. It's never me. They're proud and they're self-confident. They think they have all the answers. And because of this, they're not teachable. 
And one of the areas that you can tell, a very practical area in life for fools, even Proverbs talks about, that they, they show this inability to handle life, not just in their, their mouth or their temper, but it's also with their money. Proverbs 21 says this, it says, The wise store up choice food in olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Fools can't handle money because they can't handle much of anything else in life. They have no basis of understanding how the world really, truly operates. And so, in a very practical matter in their life, they, they don't budget, they don't save, they don't understand the value of a dollar, and they're wondering why they oftentimes continually run into financial issues. Well, God created wealth, didn't he? One of the ways that we worship God is with our time, our talent, and our treasure. All of these are God's resources. And fools demonstrate an inability to handle any of those. And so, because of that, we're not surprised to find in the book of Proverbs, it's not just they can't handle money, they can't handle responsibility in general. In fact, this is one of my very favorite Proverbs. In all the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 26 says, Like an archer who wounds at random is a one who hires a fool or any passerby. You think about that. Fools are this type of person that's just shooting out in, into the crowd. They're just like, just shooting at random. They're not thinking about what happens next. They're like, it's fun. Pew, pew, pew. You're like, you're shooting people. They're like, no, I like the sound. They're like, if you hire a fool, don't be surprised when people around you get hurt, when bad stuff happens. Putting a fool in charge is, is like shooting into a crowd. They can't handle responsibility. They just genuinely can't. Fools have an inability or have, a, have a, this ability to just bring disaster wherever they go. Like you give them a, a beautiful working project, you put it in their hands, and then all of a sudden everything's like kaput. And you're, well, what happened? Well, you, you hand it to a fool. Now, a fool is, is bad, right? But in Scripture, that's not the worst. As we find in the book of Proverbs, there is a fool, but then there's fool plus. Right? And the fool plus are called the wicked. In fact, the wicked in Proverbs is found over a hundred times. The wicked are always contrasted against the wise in Proverbs because it is, the, it is the highest form of folly, is wickedness. And so the character of the fool actually is best summed up. It's, it's throughout, it's over a hundred passages. I don't have time to go through all those. And you're like, praise the Lord that you're not going to. So if you have your Bible, it's, it's summed up. I think there's a really great proverb in there. Proverbs chapter 5 or Proverbs chapter 6, uh, starting verse 16. Now, I want to have it on the screen too, if you didn't have your Bible, but here it is, but it's kind of small. And it says here in Proverbs uh, 6 here, uh, 16, it says, there are six things the Lord hates and seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to run into evil, a false witness that pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And this proverb really sums up, if you go through the rest of Proverbs, kind of the characteristic of the wicked. And I like this one because it's easy for us to, to cling to because it, it actually ties everything to body parts, right? Which most of us have, right? So the first thing that we look at, uh, the traits of the, of the proud are going to be their eyes. They have haughty eyes, right? The eyes of the wicked look down on other people. It's not as though they're just a fool. Right? A fool just thinks best of themselves. A, a wicked person really thinks themselves as better than others. They're, right? They look down on other people. They're prideful. They're conceited. They're arrogant. 
And the next thing we find is it's not just their attitude towards other people that's awful, but then their tongues, they're arrogant against God and against reality itself. Their very tongues are lying. In fact, it's just like this is one of the traits of the wicked. They don't have any type of respect for truth, right? Speech and truth is all a means to manipulate, to get the things that they want. So maybe they'll say something is true, but they won't say it because it's true. They'll say whatever is expedient for themselves. And so they're deceitful, they're crafty, and they're unreliable. And we find that it's not just their influence that they pour out on other people. That's not their tongues that are lying. But we also find that they're active with their own bodies. It says their hands then shed innocent blood. Right? That they're actively out there causing suffering. They're going to do what they want to do. Not just to make you suffer. That's not really their point. They want to get what they want to get. And they will make it happen. And if it means crushing you and hurting you or, or hurting other people, then so be it. They're corrupt. They're violent. The wicked are merciless. They're not to be trusted. And part of that is not just because their outward action is broken. It's because they have a brokenness in their very heart. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Like Their, their very heart has a brokenness in it. Right? It's, it's always thinking about what do I want. It doesn't think about what God says is true, what God says is right, right? how to help other people, not the compassion of, of my impact of how I live. In fact, it's not as though they're not a, unaware of the, what's going to happen when they do things. They just don't care. They know their actions have consequences, but it's so as long as they get what they want, when they want it, okay. And they're always thinking then, how am I going to get what I want? And the wicked people will use God's goodness as a, as a weapon, because they know that godly people will play by the rules. And so the wicked people will think how they can cheat so they can get ahead. And they devise wicked schemes to set people up for destruction. Sometimes they enjoy that. The heart of the wicked are, is evil. They're devious. But they're also creative. They delight when they get away with things. They delight in evil, which makes it even worse than we read about their feet. Their feet are quick to rush into evil, right? They go for it. They're eager for it to happen. I think a good example of this, you remember seeing those shows, the What Would You Do? They had the John Stoss or whatever, those guys would go up and they would. I remember one where they had this elderly gentleman who was walking and he had a little cane, he was an actor, and he dropped some medicine, some pills, pill bottles, Right? And then they filmed it, see what people would do. And most people would go and be like, oh, sir, you dropped your pills, right? They're not knowing what they were, but obviously this guy who doesn't have his pills might die. Who knows? But there were some, you could just see it. As soon as they dropped in their minds, they were clicking, right? I'm going to get these, right? And they would, their feet would rush to go and pick them up. Sometimes they'd pick it up and they would run. Sometimes they'd pick it and they'd push the guy down so he wouldn't get it. Sometimes they would, they would pick it up, all right? And then they would like say, hey, how are you doing, sir? Just to be mean, to twist the knife. They might be signing this guy's death sentence. They didn't know. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. They enjoy doing bad stuff. The rebellious type of people. They're impatient. They want to get what they want right now. And they're bold. The wicked are bold. In fact, oftentimes they come at the righteous because they are righteous. But truly they're not coming against the righteous. They're coming against God. 
And so we find, remember a couple of weeks ago at Easter time, we talked about how we're supposed to have joy in, in the Christian life. The Holy Spirit pours joy in our life, and that joy overflows into our world. Well, the wicked are just the opposite of that. So it's a false witness that pours out lies. Deception, depravity. This is what the overflow of the wicked person's life is. This is what they pour into culture. And so they dilute the gospel, right? You know, the beautiful gospel and the wicked make the world so awful that they give God a bad name, right? They, they give goodness a bad name and all that kind of stuff. They dilute the gospel. They stir up conflict wherever they go. In fact, we see that's the next thing. And a person who stirs up conflict in the community is not the effect of the wicked, that we find there's going to be divisions. In fact, wherever you see division between people, I mean, even look in our culture now, the race division that we have in our country, that did not come from righteous people. Wherever we find division, people being pitted against one another and hatred being there, there's a wicked people behind that. Wickedness is behind that. And wickedness is not only destructive, it's unproductive, which is one of the things I love. You ever said that wicked people are naughty? Would you agree? Yeah, that seems like you're saying just like a light little thing, like, oh, they're naughty. You know what naughty means? Word not means zero, nothing, worthless. The wicked are naughty. When you say that, you mean that the wicked people are absolutely worthless. And I want you to think about the absolute truth of that. That when you go to war against God, there is a day that the God of the universe is going to bring judgment and justice with a fury that eternity has never seen yet. And there's a time and a place and all the wicked will be nothing more than echoes and ashes. And in the trillions and trillions and trillions of years in which we get to spend the righteous forever and eternity, the wicked will be alone, broken, and forgotten. There is a day that they themselves will not even remember their own names. Much less in the halls of eternity, their names and the thoughts and all of their wicked deeds will not even be remembered. They are nothing but echoes and ashes. They are nothing. But the righteous shine forever like the beautiful jewels of eternity. And so the wicked are naughty. They may seem powerful today, but don't be afraid. Don't let them intimidate you. The wicked are nothing. And so we see that you can be wise and you can have a great life, right? You can be wise in a, light, a way of life that, that leads to honor and riches and joy and, and purpose. And you have a, a way of life that leads to, to, in the kingdom of God, glory even. Or you can choose the otherwise. The way of the simpleton. Choose to go about life saying, I'm just going to believe just simple things. I've got a good heart, but I'm not really going to trust God. And I'm not really going to grow in my knowledge and understanding. It leads to that type of destruction. Or taking that up a notch. To being the mocker. To being an arrogant know-it-all. Or even taking up the next notch and becoming that fool who genuinely believes they know it all. <laughs> or the worst part is to be the wicked. And here's the crazy thing. All of us are wicked. All of us have wayward hearts, don't we? And so when we see this passage, it's not for us to look down our nose at others, but to look into the mirror of Scripture to find ourselves and to find this amazing thing that though we were nothing, Christ died for us. And he gave us a way 
to be something that's better than, than anything we ever could be, the very children of God. That's how great our God loves us. And so today, we're going to say, who do you choose to be? Do we want to continue to, to waste our lives in nothingness? Or do we choose to follow God and allow him to make us into the beautiful workmanship that he always designed you to be? Let's pray, and then I'll have Zach come up and share some next steps with you. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're good. When I think about the wickedness of my own heart, the, the ways that I am so prone to look down on others because I think too highly of myself, how oftentimes I played fast and loose with truth or have engaged in doing bad things and sometimes, Lord, even thinking about ways that I could do, uh, just manipulate and do things that I want. Lord, how my feet have rushed to evil. Now, when I recognize and I remember how broken I am, I'm grateful for you and for the cross. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for coming and giving me the opportunity to find you, to die to that old way, but more than that, to give us that clarion call of wisdom, to answer the call of Jesus, to follow him and to become a disciple, to learn a different way, a way of wisdom. Thank you for loving me when I was nothing, worthless, and giving me the position as your child, as a prince, as an heir of your kingdom. For counting me now worthy to be a vessel of your Holy Spirit. Father, today I pray for this church, for those of us who are here. Help us to die to our simple, foolish, mocking, wicked ways and help us turn and to follow you. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Well, if you would take out um, that connection card, that green connection card that you have, um, feel free to to uh, mark off some commitments this morning. Uh, the first commitment we have is to memorize for, uh, Proverbs 1-7, as we do every week. Um, write that on your heart. Uh, then also read Proverbs 30-31, through 31, um, as uh, it goes hand-in-hand uh, hand with the message that we brought, that Aaron brought today. Um, and then thirdly, uh, renounce selfish pride. Um, give it to God. Uh, it's easy, really easy to be uh, selfish and uh, to have pride. Um, it's kind of just human nature, right? Um, but give it to God. Ask him to, to, uh, to help you in that area. Um, and then also uh, to be open to teaching, to be open to, to being mentored um, and to find somebody um, that uh, you uh, uh, find somebody that, you know, make, just ask God to bring you somebody. Uh, that's what I've done in the past. Ask God to bring somebody uh, to you, to mentor you. And um, uh, usually he does it. <laughs> uh, if you try to find it, try to do it on your own, uh, usually you're not going to have a whole lot of success. But um, uh, ask God to, to bring you that person. Um, and then ask God also to bring you the wisdom and truth in your life as well.